Yo, what's happening, everybody? This is Jerome Thornton checking in for the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. We are on number, volume number 80 of the uh, Quarantine Lean edition um, of the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. And this is just um, a morning rant. Um, I see a whole lot of different things going on. And, you know what, the subject of this podcast is going to be stop the bullshit entitlement. I'm beginning to notice that we as a people start to waddle in entitlement. And really and truly, I'm not exactly even sure where that word came from. Like, black people use the word white privilege so much. Well, I'm not going to say all black people, but a lot of black people do. And we try to flip that on his head and therefore make us entitled. But in some scenarios that work. And some it doesn't. And I get, and I'm getting the, it's a lot of crybabies out here, man. It's a lot of people that the only thing that they want to do is complain. Nobody wants to get their hands dirty and do some fucking work, man. You know what? There was a time. That when Republicans were talking about, you know, removing certain people off food stamps, I was like, no, no, don't do it. How will they make it? Uh, this and this and this. These pe-. Now the older and older that I get, I see people that's in their 30s, their 40s. Some are going into their 50s. And these people are still working the damn system, man. And I'm just talking about black people. Because I'm black. I'm African-American. I know that there's other races out there. You know what? Damn all of that. I'm sick and tired of comparing apples to fucking oranges. Because guess what? When we compare other races, guess what? We're last in every fucking category. And you got these people out here that's giving mental pacifiers. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Mental pacifiers. Now it's starting to happen with the children. And that's why I'm like, you know what? All oh, stop this bullshit, y'all. Stop using your tongue and your mouth and your brain to get out of doing work. And you would rather have other people to do the heavy lifting. And then you walk up under that shit. But guess what, though? Here's what here is the real reason why entitlement goes nowhere and it gets you nowhere. It may get you a little bit down the road. But guess what? At some point in time. You're going to have to do some fucking work. And people will back up 
off of you. We have, you know what, this may be another deep dive study that I'm going to do about how many vacant homes and abandoned homes that are in urban areas. How many do we have? Now, from at one point, now, from one standpoint, we can say that there is a housing crisis amongst African-Americans. We can say that because we know that home ownership has went down. What are we going to do about it versus always complaining and always pointing at the powers that be y'all the government? We know that they're not for us. But this sense of entitlement. And our minds makes us feel comfortable when we're talking about reparations, when we're talking about how we built this country. What are we going to contribute to the digital century that we're in? Outside of going live when one of our sisters and brothers get killed by one of us or by one of the police. Outside of having a fucking versus battle. What are we really contributing y'all? Outside of pointing out the same inequalities that we've been dealing with for hundreds of years. We keep pointing at them. We're not doing nothing about them to elevate our lives y'all. But guess what, though? We have a spokesperson for every goddamn thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you want to talk about the, the plight of African-American problems, yeah. We got that on every level. Entertainers, superstars, right? Basketball players, football players. Yeah. But when it's really time to do the damn work, where are these people at? Out somewhere damn marching. It's a sin and a shame. That we think. And see this is a taught. This is a mental pacifier. This is a taught behavior. And we never broke away from it. Ever since Martin Luther King started marching and started talking about integration and these things, our community has never broke away from it. Even though we haven't seen any results. It is a groundwork for pastors and our churches. It is a groundwork for people that are in poverty. What are we going to do about it, y'all? It's the it, the idea of entitlement is clogging our vision. Now, of course, we know that we live in a racist society. We know it. We know that Immigrants of African descent are not 
are not treated the same. We know all of these type things. And there could, I mean, and there is a whole plethora of different things that I could get on here and talk about. The black dollar, abortion, um, transphobia, the marriage rate, the lack of successful African-American owned businesses. Men that's owned by black men. We could talk about that all day long. We could talk about the misconception of the educational gap from the African-American woman and the black man. We could talk about these things, y'all. And this is part of what I do here. I talk, but guess what, though? I also try. I also try to do. Me, I try to do. I don't have a mortgage on my house. I finally started to listen to Booger T. Washington and put a garden in the back of my backyard. I finally started to listen to um, the great Elijah Muhammad and uh, Minister Farrakhan and say that it's very, very important for, for black people to grow their own food and adjust your eating habits. Mind you, I'm 40 some years old. I'm just as hard headed as everybody else. This is how I know that I've been blinded. Because I refused to listen because I was comfortable in just talking about things and showing proof. Yeah, this is what really happened. I didn't have an action plan, y'all. Not a real formidable one. I'm going to let you know something, man. And this is and this is for real. And this is a guy that does have an action plan. LeBron James really disappointed me the other day. Because to me, I feel as though LeBron James acted with a sense of entitlement. The Lakers are getting blowed out. And I, and let me tell you something. I've been a Lakers fan since the 80s, bro. I'm talking AC Green. That you, Clay Thompson is his father, is his son, but I'm talking about Michael Thompson. I'm talking about Orlando Woolridge, Sadell Threat. Yeah, I go that Anthony Piller. I go. I'm that Laker. I'm not even mentioning James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kurt Rambis. Byron Scott, Michael Cooper. Yeah, I could go on and on. Yeah, I'm that Laker fan, man. But the Lakers are getting beat by the Phoenix Suns. Handedly, it's bad. Everybody knows it is bad. Everybody knows it's unacceptable. A lot of fans... Did not want to finish watching the game. It was it was an utterly it was an utter embarrassment, not only for the Lakers fans, but also the organization as well as the players. It was a tough time. Five minutes left to go. LeBron James gets up, walks off the court. 
And I'm looking like, LeBron, you just got to face the music, my guy. You have to. You're the leader of the team. I, man, I, man, I, I, I talk so many different things and I compliment LeBron because I am, if anybody knows me, I am a through and through LeBron James fan. I didn't like that, bro. And I don't care if he hears this and he gets mad. I'm not finna insult him. But man, be there for your team, my guy. There are, there are other players, young players, that are pattering their entire life from you. You are a leader, my guy. In every, in every aspect. And guess what? Me and my little podcast is growing. Man, you know what? If I if I if I congratulate and compliment you in public, I also have to criticize you in public. Respectfully. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, my guy. I was really, really disappointed. I didn't see the reason why that you left your team. That was worse than a loss. That was worse for the organization. That was worse in regards to morale. But hey, at this point in time, just to just to piggyback up off of what we talked about last night with the tennis player. Y'all, please forgive me. Give me one moment here. Her name is Naomi Osaka. Now there is this article coming out and stating that the um, that the uh, tennis association or federation somehow like violated some right of hers. This is when things get bad. This is when in today's age that that we as a society try to twist things too far. They are pointing out codes, rules, and violations. They're not just creating these things just because it's Naomi. If any tennis player acted and responded the way that she did, they would be doing the same exact thing. Now, me, myself, personally, there is a scenario that says the customer is always right. Me, myself, personally, I don't believe that right is always right. And if these people had wronged this young lady, I would be on her side. I am searching and searching for anything 
It would be something different when she wrote that letter. If Naomi said, you know what, at this point in time, I'm suffering from anxiety. I'm not going to be doing any interviews. She wrote them a letter and just stated, hey, look, I'm not doing any interviews. It would be something different if she had a letter from her therapist or her psychologist. Where are these things at? Where? And now they're putting the word threaten. That they threaten her. No, they didn't threaten this young woman. They are going off of the code of conduct. See, this is a problem. When people just simply don't want to follow the rules. And mind you, as far as I know, I don't think it's one of the first times that someone has been fined for their behavior in tennis. But I do think this is the first time someone brought up depression. See, this is a hot button. So if you bring that up, that that gives them the right. If it was me, I'd be like, okay, you know, we definitely do understand how important um, depression is. Okay, so what avenues are you taking? Simple questions. A lot of people are saying that she shouldn't even have to answer anything about her mental illness. Why not? Because guess what? That $15,000 fine that she paid, guess what she guess what she said? Oh, can you donate that to a to a um a mental health charity? They said no. Right? See, she's putting small caveats on these things to I think cover her tracks. I'm not saying that she doesn't have depression, but why aren't you willing to talk about it? When it's time to. Versus just withdrawing. See. A mental health diagnosis. Is. Very very serious. But mental health treatment. Is also serious. She stated that she had got this, that she started to develop anxiety in 2018 when she beat Serena. I was like, wow, who is this kid? And I still admire the woman for who she is. But she is not exempt. She she isn't exempt. From doing a three to four minute interview. Come on, y'all. Come on now. And if she is, then she needs to explain this. We need to, I need to hear something. I'm not going to say we, I do. I wonder, and may he rest in peace, if Kobe Bryant was here, 
What advice would he have for LeBron walking off the court? For these athletes feeling entitled? I wonder what would he say to Kwame Brown? I wonder what would he say to Naomi? In regards to this Mamba mentality that he talked about all the time. Just, just a thought. So y'all let me know what's going on. Is entitlement, is it blinding black people? Is it, is it stopping us from actually putting in the work? Did LeBron go too far by walking off the court? Is Naomi exempt from doing any interviews? Just because she suffers from anxiety? Did the French Open violate any type of laws when they find her and let her know if she's not able to participate in interviews as the contract and rules and regulations state regarding the media that she may be barred from competing? Y'all let me know, man. Thanks again for tuning in to the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. Volume number 80 of the Quarantine League. Y'all enjoy y'all day.